Welcome to the Folsom Frenzy Podcast. My name is Jake, and I'm here with Sreyas, Chase, and Sam, and this is episode six of the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to talk about National Signing Day for football. We're going to talk a little bit about other football news for CU. Then we'll pause for our draft segment. We're going to draft the best bars in Boulder, and then after that, we'll talk hoops, both men's and women's basketball for CU. So with that, let's open it up and talk about National Signing Day for CU. Really, today, there weren't a whole lot of surprises except one surprise, um, that being the Alabama transfer linebacker. Chase, how do you pronounce this? Because I've been butchering the names recently. How do you pronounce his name? Demoy Kennedy? Sounded very uh, accurate on your part, though, Jake. We're really (laughs) impressed. We'll go with that. But four star, he's a five-star rivals linebacker, 2020 recruit from Alabama. Uh, he played both linebacker and special teams. He's now a buff. And then also Cormani McLean, five-star cornerback, best cornerback in the nation, made it official today. Uh, just to give you guys a recap, CU landed at 30 overall for the 247 high school recruiting rankings, um, just behind Washington at 29. Um, and then if we look at the total overall rankings, CU fell at 21 overall. So guys, I'm going to open it up to you all. What is your reaction of this 2023 class? We're not we're not using the on three rankings. We're not using the on three rankings. I think. Uh, <laughs> okay. CU okay. Is, just to just to be clear, we're... <laughs> CU was 31 for the on three rankings and 30 for two four seven, and Miami also moved up a spot in on three. So reading between those lines, I think uh, on three has some Miami fans on staff. Yeah, I think just my my first reaction, at least. Um, Kennedy was a nice upside surprise. Um, honestly, kind of an underwhelming day as far as I know we had some expectations of maybe something exciting would happen. Not to say that Kennedy's not. Underwhelming right day. Thanks, you're spoiled, man. You're going to get flat no. for that again. <laughs> you, yeah, I was going to say, you're about to get roasted again. You're about I'm just to get saying, again. as far as surprises go, there wasn't really a lot of surprises. I know I said that last time. This time, I really do think it's legitimate. I think Kennedy's really excellent. I think at Alabama, he just there just isn't enough roster spots for how much talent they have, right? Like, he's playing a lot of special teams. Uh, if you look at his statistics, very little um, time on the field as far as um, defense. I think they moved him, actually, positions. I can't remember if it was to running back or wide receiver, but he has some snaps kind of all over the ball. Obviously, he's a great athlete. Um, but so that's, that's a big get. He's a guy that has experience can come in and immediately start playing. But as far as like the high school flips or anything like that, that we might've, you know, maybe been hopeful for, um, that didn't really, really happen today. That being said, I think, you know, and, and Jake, I'm sure you would agree with me on this. The fact that Cormani McLean, you know, signed sealed delivered that we didn't have to stress about him at the 11th hour switching out. Um, it's kind of a refreshing thing as a Colorado fan to actually, you know, you go in with the expectations that these guys are going to follow through and sure enough, they did. So not not a whole lot of like super exciting out of nowhere stuff. Um, I'm super excited to get flamed for that take, but I think it, it kind of went how we expected it other than Kennedy coming in at transfer. Yeah, and for Kennedy, do you guys remember the last blue chip Alabama transfer we had? Is, uh, does they name, never played. <laughs> does the name Alfano ring a bell? Antonio um, Alfano. Antonio Ooh. Alfano. That was, that was one that didn't work out for the Buffs. He didn't play one st- snap for CU. But I, I hope think, he's doing all right. I haven't yeah, heard much about him. Right. I think Kennedy's going to be a little, little bit different of a story. Um, I think one thing to note is it seems like Dion has a decent relationship with, um, with the Alabama coaching staff, and 
I bet he called up uh, Saban just to get the the details on Kennedy to see if he would be a valuable player for CU. Um, so I, I trust Coach Prime in in his assessment of Demoy Kennedy. I know he he was mainly on special teams, but I think he could be an impactful player on the defense. Not much to say in my part. That's you know, I, I guess Chase did nail it when he said, in terms of in terms of surprises, yeah, we had the one surprise, which is great. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go as far as to say that I was disappointed by any means. You know, I was just yeah. chatting with some of my other friends about this today. It's been so long since we've had a class with even this level of quality. And so much of it, as we've talked about at length in past podcasts, is based in transfers, which is exactly what you need to rapidly rebuild a team that had almost nothing last season. So great stuff. I got I got very little else to say. Um, feel like. Yeah, the Cormani, the Cormani thing, just from the optics of it, is every bit as big as we thought it would be. And I'm sure we have a lot of unhinged tweets that are worth looking at <laughs> from Miami fans. So have fun with that, Miami. Uh, rent free, you know, enjoy that. <laughs> you yeah. know, get I, over some, it. Yeah, sometimes an uneventful signing day is a good thing. Like I, I thought it was very stress-free. I mean, it was good to get that the new linebacker, as we've all said. But sometimes you just want to get the guys you've already spent time recruiting. And you don't have to worry about someone like reaching for the CU hat at that table and then like putting it close to their head and then throwing it away and putting on like a stupid Nebraska hoodie or something from like his wife's closet. Sorry, Jake. But like, you know, like it's just like you don't want you don't you don't want that. You don't want that. You don't want that. You don't want that signing day drama. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, I think another thing that's worth noting is that the guys that have committed and even, you know, definitely with Kennedy coming from Alabama, right. They're, they're guys that are the kind of people that I think prime was, was looking for. Right. So it's not just that we're, we have a lot of guys that are a lot more talented than what we're used to, but they're the right kind of guys for prime's program. And the reason I say that is I think, especially with recruits like Kennedy and um, Cavassier smoke and Miles slusher, these are all guys with, you know, big sec, you know, big, big school experience where they can come right in and immediately make a difference because you know, I, I think Prime has said it constantly where he's not looking to to build a program. He's looking to win next year. And I think the guys that he has coming in are people who are ready to go, um, particularly a transfer. But, you know, I think that's true with, with some of these high school kids coming in too, right? Like I would not, I'd be surprised if Cormani doesn't play this year. I'd be shocked if Hopkins and Edwards don't both play this year, right? These are guys that are ready to go and ready to win. And I think, you know, if we win this year, the recruits are just going to keep coming, right? So long as, as Prime stays at CU, you know, winning is the ultimate recruiter, but having these guys that can come in and make a difference immediately overnight is what's important for sustaining the recruiting success. I think we saw today and, and over these past signing periods. So here's a thought. I know, I know some of you guys have been thinking about this. I, this has been on my mind. I know it's been on other, other people's mind, but we just signed a massive class, right? This is the biggest total number of influx, biggest amount of influx that I can ever remember. What were we at? 40-something, I want to say? It was, it was ridiculous. I, I don't know how we're, you know, I don't know what our scholarship limits are right now, but now all of my attention Doesn't is turned matter. to who remains. I'm just saying, who remains? Who's going to be gone? Who's going to be gone? Because not everyone can remain. 
not everyone can remain. You guys may remember, you know, here's an interesting wrinkle too that we got to keep an eye on. You may remember the whole Davis Webb debacle at the end of 2015. So I think a still lot of us NFL, still in the NFL, Davis Webb. He was he was a solid he was a solid Texas Tech guy and went to Cal, but he was he was transferred and ready to come to CU. And I guess my recollection we we'd have to confirm with with uh, Cepho himself. I'm sure at some point, but Cepho kind of won the job in spring, if if I'm recalling that correctly. And Davis said, "Well, I want to go get a starting job because I got to prove myself for the NFL scouts," which I guess worked out. But it's a reminder. It's a reminder that having transfers in and signed, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to end up on the team. So I'm very interested in spring ball now. I would imagine that most of the defection is going to be from returning players, unfortunately for them, just from a talent standpoint. We know that there's just there wasn't a ton of power five talent to begin with, but eh, we'll see. It'll be yeah, interesting. We- we have a new headline. Soraya Sor- says Travis Hunter is Davis Webb? Question mark. Question mark. Ooh, <laughs> hot take. That's spicy, hot Sam. <laughs> I think, I'm, I'm going to have to I quote think, you on that one. I'm going to be really interested to see what the first depth chart looks like. I know, you know, it's going to probably be quite a while before that gets published, but it'll be really interesting to see where guys line up. I think a lot of people are waiting to see you know, the the first day of depth chart, even at practices so that they know where they stand, because I mean, to your point, this is a huge class and it's, it's kind of unclear, you know, there's only so many scholarships to go around. And I know that, you know, a lot of these scholarships are binding and stuff like that, but it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out, who ends up actually staying, who ends up leaving. Uh, I don't, I don't see Travis Hunter quite being a Davis Webb um, like Strayus might, but, um, and I think we should just put that down in uh, black ink on the record that he said that. Or, or roll, heavily roll the back. Come on, stenographer. He, he, the stenographer? Heavily, on. Inf- heavily inferred. <laughs> yeah, but, I was clearly, clearly <laughs> making reference to that. Okay. Long it. story short is, and I'm sure we'll talk about this here in just a minute, but the fact that the spring game, that they're even able to charge $10 for a ticket. Um, I know we went to every spring game for years. That, I mean, that's a, that's a crazy difference, right? So I, <laughs> it's just going to be really interesting to kind of see how the, the roster plays out and, uh, you know, the intrigue will definitely be there. And and the fact that they're actually doing a scrimmage is going to be exciting as well. There's probably yep. better attendance at Coors Events Center for my Physics 1 final than there was at some of those spring games. <laughs> hey, they, that's why they call it the exam room. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> I was right? going to say the same thing. Big game boomer. <laughs> <laughs> Not the keg, it's the exam room. Just uh, piggybacking off that really quick uh, and just talking about the guys who might leave and, and where the roster will shake out. One one notable thing that recently happened was the quarterbacks that transferred out, none of them went to Power 5 schools. So J.T. Shrout, um, he went to, I think, Arkansas State. Maddox Cop went to Miami of Ohio. Owen McCown went to UTSA. And I don't think Brendan Lewis has ended up anywhere. He's in I Nevada. Mean, Oh, Nevada. Nevada. Yes, yes. But yeah, you hear it all the time. What's the most important position in sports? It's quarterback. And look at how dry our quarterback room was in terms of talent. So I I think think the Owen McCown case is a little unique. UTSA is actually a really good program now. They They were top 25 going into their bowl game. That's a really good program. Yeah, they're not power five, but they were they were top 25, you know, going into that. I think they ended up losing to Troy. 
in their bowl game, but that's a pretty solid program. And he's from Texas, right? So he might have been choosing to to stay closer to home. So I, I won't read too much into that, but your point's well taken on the other items, you know. The fact that, yeah, Brendan Lewis, Brendan Lewis might thrive in his new system. I think that maybe he was just put in a bad situation here. He has some talent. We've seen him, you know, play really well, it, you know, during that Alma Bowl when he came in in relief of, uh, God, Sam Neuer. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot. It came in relief uh, in that game. And yeah, JT Shroud was just, he was set up to fail. So, but point well taken. You know, the, the influx of talent has definitely outweighed the outflux. Another notable event that happened today today was the press conference that Coach Prime had. Um, I don't know if you guys got a chance to see that, but that was his first press conference since being announced as the head coach. What, what did you guys think of that press conference? So I know every time I've made like a, a prediction take or anything like that, I've been proven 100% to be completely wrong. So I'm going to have to hedge everything I say here. Um with a bad prediction at the end, but I really do think just the way that maybe this is just pure hope, or maybe this is just pure belief. I know, you know, he talked a lot about the players and stuff like that. We can get to that, but what's been really impressive to me, both in that press conference and just watching the videos and all that kind of stuff is that it seems like it, like, I, I really do think that coach prime might be here for the long run. You know, I really do think that, he really likes Colorado. I really think he's interested in building this. Keep me hopeful that, you know, when he first got here, I thought for sure, even in the first press conference, I was like, you know, he made the comment about you either move up or you get fired. And he's going to make the same comments when it comes time to consider an offer from another um, FBS school. But I'm starting to think, you know, just fr from listening to that press conference today, I really think he's, he believes that he can win here in Colorado. And I, I think he's going to find that he likes living in Colorado because how could you not love living in Boulder, Colorado, right? I think we can all agree on that. So, you know, my biggest takeaway was that I really do think that prime might be here for the long run. Um, but you know, that's, that's just a, a side takeaway from that. Um, but yeah, Sam, what did you think? Yeah, I thought it was really good. I thought the weather was really unfortunate the last couple of days in Boulder. I think, um, pivoting a little bit to like the, the all the recruits that we had on campus last weekend, the weather was so, so out of the ordinarily bad. It was like four degrees in gray. But on the, uh, but going back to the press conference, um, so I thought quite it was a pivot, quite a pivot, Sam. <laughs> yeah, it was a pivot, and I'm pivoting back. It's a double pivot. You can do that in the NBA now. I think LeBron does. Yeah, depends what <laughs> team you play for. Um, yeah. So going back to that, I thought it was interesting how he talked about not knowing all his players' names. I saw some I saw some uh, controversy on Twitter um, about whether he was talking about just the class, which would be like that's kind of interesting. Like you should know like how parents would feel about that, or the whole team, which would be more understandable. Uh, I just wanted to hear what you guys thought about those comments and like how you interpreted them. Yeah, I mean, I. I understand there's been a lot of people trying to sell it as, you know, he's so honest and so forth. Right. And I think, you know, that's definitely a virtue as well, but I gotta be honest. I think you make a good point, Sam, that if I'm a, a you know, players, parents or something like, or even a player themselves, especially, I almost think it's worse if I were a player that has stuck around from the Doral area era and really thought that I could make a run at it. The fact that, you know, coach prime doesn't even know my name. It's one of those things where, you know, maybe that's just the cost of doing business and we have to accept the fact that he's bringing in his new guys and there's just not a place for those old older players, but um, not the best look of all the press conference, in my opinion. I, I thought that was not, not ideal. 
I disagree. Coach Prime's brand new, and he's got a, a team of 50 guys or however many people are on the roster still. Like, he's been doing so many media events that he doesn't know the players yet. Practices haven't even started yet. It's just the weight room stuff. So you could see he took the intentionality of putting their last names on the back of their T-shirts during the practice. So, I mean, you know what? I think he's just being honest, and, you know, that's what it is, and that's reality. He hasn't met all the guys yet, and I'm cutting him some slack. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just to say, I think it's fair to give the slack. My only, my only caveat and like, you know, who am I to judge, right? I, I'm also horrible with remembering names, but when you're someone who sells recruits and sells your whole brand on relationships and getting to know people and like being invested in their future and stuff like that, I get it. Like practices haven't even started. It, it would be impossible almost to know all these names outside the guys that he's recruiting. It's just one of those things where it, I understand the effect that it might have on recruits or recruits, parents and stuff like that. And so I hope you know, I know that I think we we've watched it. We've drank enough of the Kool-Aid, watched enough of the media that we know that that's not, you know, we know that Prime is going to invest in the players and get to know everyone and, and try to help everyone succeed. But my only concern is that if I'm a parent and I'm picking between, you know, five different schools and maybe I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid the same way that we are, that that could come off a little bit uh, in a negative context. Yeah, I, I see your point. I see you guys point both on both sides here. Right. It, it's not a great look, but then also. Maybe to a certain extent, you have to earn the coach knowing who you are. I do remember Prime had a comment somewhere. I don't remember whether what interviews in it might have been. It might have been in a sixty minutes interview when he was still at Jackson, where he said, "If you're a walk on, you better be trying to get my attention by working hard and showing out on the field. Otherwise, you're going to be a walk off." So I, I think that made a big impression on me. It's like, wow, you know, you're taking it seriously. You know, you want even the guys who don't don't have scholarships to come out and prove themselves and make a name for themselves to you and, and make you notice them. So maybe that's kind of – I would want to, to lean more in that direction, especially, gosh, if you're a returning player on that team last year. I, I know previous podcasts have made the point that I, I thought it was admirable the way that team kind of banded together and actually had fun playing the game the rest of the season, despite all of the misery, like how bad they were getting killed with that ridiculously hard schedule and how little talent they had. But I, there probably was a little bit of a culture of like, Hey, maybe it's okay for losing type deal, blah, blah, blah. Things that we know that prime is not okay with. We know he's not okay with that because he was never like that. He was never like that as a player at any level. And he's certainly not like that as a coach. I even remember a comment that he made. It was probably in that 60 minutes interview as well, where he said, Hey, if there's a janitor that isn't picking up trash, or if there's a groundskeeper that isn't mowing the lawn, shoot, I'm going to go out and take out the trash and mow the lawn because that's who I am. If you're not doing your job, I'm just going to go do it because I know I have that capability. Someone like that is not going to take to a quote unquote losing culture or losing mentality very well. So all that said, maybe if you're a returning player, he kind of has you in his doghouse to begin with because he knows what transpired that allowed him to become the head coach. And maybe, maybe having your name recognized, especially with a gigantic roster, you know, maybe it's more of an earn an earned title than it is a, a given. So I could see it both ways, but I, I tend to lean in that direction. One other thing that's interesting is uh, it's interesting to see what media opportunities Coach Prime takes. So today, for example, for National Signing Day, the Pac-12 had on, I think, almost all the head coaches. 
and Coach Prime didn't attend. Um, but he's doing all these national media events, so it's really interesting to see what media events he's 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 uh, joining. Do you guys see, see much into that, or is that just me? Yeah, I, I think it's interesting because it, what we were just talking about as far as like not knowing the names of players and stuff like that, I think there's a lot of coaches that could have said something like that. Like Hugh Freeze could have said something like that and no one would have batted an eye at all. But Dion is under such a microscope because he's just such a big personality that we're sitting here talking about something like that. Right. And so it is interesting that he, he seems to always have a camera around him, but to not go to that, that all pack 12 thing. Now I will say that when you have little Wayne around the facility and, you know, maybe other priorities are going on, you've got bigger fish to fry. And frankly, I think, you know, if the Pac-12 didn't exist tomorrow, I think the world might be a better place. So I don't feel bad that Deion Sanders isn't exactly throwing a, a bone to the Pac-12 network or anything like that. But it is interesting. You know, there's obviously some expectations from the university and the and the conference about as far as you know media availability and and frankly the the guy that draws the eyeballs as far as coaches go is going to be Coach Prime for the foreseeable future. So it'll be interesting how how that plays out. Um, but you won't find any tears from me for for the PAC 12, not, not having him on there. Um, and frankly, I don't think recruits care about that kind of media. I think that's all for, for fans and and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I think he hit the nail on the head. A lot of people were complaining that he doesn't, hasn't done a lot of Denver local media, but I don't think coach prime is concerned about Denver. I think he's really targeting the national presence and recruits all throughout the nation. I kind of personally have been, um, I haven't been thrilled with everyone you know, historically going after the state of Colorado and why don't you recruit Colorado? Like, why don't you focus on the Zen state kids? Dion's getting kids from Polk County, Florida that are five stars. Do you know how many five stars are in Colorado? Do you know how many five stars have come out of Colorado in the last 10 years? Ever. Right. Ever. Yeah, right. Right. Why do we need to focus on Colorado when Dion is trying to win a national championship? Like, They, they mean, gotta have someone run out with a, they gotta have someone run out with a Colorado flag. Who's from Colorado. Yeah, right. That's required. We need that. I, it has to be, right? But here's was the Ralphie deal. I mean, even born in, be, was Ralphie even born in Colorado? Oh, they'd be they'd be frauds if they didn't. <laughs> the, the, the current deal, Ralphie like, was actually not born in Colorado. Well. That's what I'm saying. See, Ralphie wasn't even born in Colorado. Right. But the school Where is she up born? North, the school in Fort Collins has to do that Colorado branding because they need to get the in-state talent because that's the best talent they're gonna get. But see you. CU doesn't need to do that. Um, I love that Coach Prime's going after the national media. But also on the flip side, it does make me question, will he be in Boulder long-term? Or is he just trying to get his name out there? Does Coach Prime care more about the Colorado brand or the Coach Prime brand? I think we all know the answer to that deep down. So I don't know. It makes me question how long he'll be in Colorado. But at the same time, I like it because he's going after the national media presence. Heck, he's getting wheezy in the stadium, as you alluded to, Chase. Um but yeah, those are, I just had to add those thoughts. And I just want to make a quick comment about, you know, Denver media ignored, like if, if you only watch Denver media, you would almost not even know that there was the university of Colorado Boulder up there playing football. Right. And so it's, it's kind of, I don't know, vindicating that they went from almost completely ignoring Boulder to all of a sudden complaining about how they don't have access. And uh, again, that's an example of like, you just won't find any tears from me. I think, you know, to your point, it, it it makes you wonder, but you have to remember that, you know, the reason that we hired Coach Prime is that we want Coach Prime to be the brand behind Colorado football, right? And so th that's the kind of thing where, 
you know, he has to be advertising himself on the national stage in order to get his name out there and be first of mind when, when recruits are thinking about where they want to play football. So I don't mind it. You know, if it does mean that eventually he's going to move on, I think we all know that if the Florida state job opens in the next 20 years, you know, and he continues to succeed at Colorado, he's, he's as good as gone. But I also think that, you know, we shouldn't, it's not something to complain about, but I, I think, you know, your point is well taken Jake, that I think his, his brand will always be bigger than Colorado's and that when he leaves, I don't know what, what that'll mean necessarily for the program, but um, you know, it is what it is. I think it's necessary. Yeah. Well, one more thing about um, recruiting that I, f- I forgot to mention, but I feel is one of the one of the most important recruiting strategies. You know, Coach Prime is implementing is he's cornering the market on players with a hyphen in their name and Craig. We did not talk about this guy, Cameron Silman Craig. Now we have Cameron Silman Craig and Mont- Montana Lamonius Craig. Where do we go from here? I'm not sure. Are there any more? Who knows? Get all the Craigs. But, but if we can co- collect all the Craigs, maybe we can use up all of the letters that go on the back of jerseys and other teams will be ineligible to play. And that are, those like the the inf- <laughs> are those like the Infinity Stones? Yeah. Right? So we got the, two of them, but we got infinity, at least three the, more. <laughs> the, infi- the, infi- the Infinity Craigs. The hard-hitting analysis that our uh, loyal listeners listen in the 33rd minute of the podcast to uh, be hearing for sure. Foolish Craig's is just twi- is just like maniacally going like 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 uh, going like this. Like I can't. That's a terrible thing to say when you're on a podcast. But it's like <laughs> they're just doing like their little evil there laugh because now they have now they have there's they got all their spokespeople they need. Now all I do want to point out. Um, for the record, that Ralphie Six was actually born in uh, Nebraska, so it, it just goes <laughs> oh. to show that no matter where you come from, um, you can succeed in Boulder. And uh, I don't care where she was born; Ralphie Six is um, perfection. Um, See, the there birth- you go. We don't need them in-state recruits. Show me the birth certificate. <laughs> exactly. Now, <laughs> I do think you know the the national brand and, and being bigger than life is is also important for recruiting because of the the kind of people that Dion brings in, and I think that's a nice segue as far as bringing in, in my opinion, and and you can go ahead and put me down in ink on this one as well. The greatest rapper of all time, Little Wayne, came to visit Boulder today. Uh, I think that's just awesome. You know, that's just someone. You know, he just shows up. Like that's just someone that Dion Sanders will host on a. Tuesday or whatever today was Wednesday, you know, and so that kind of cool factor that's around the program and around prime, you know, frankly, if prime left tomorrow, that would leave the program as well, but that's something that will help build success. And I think, you know, even if prime leaves three years from now and brought in enough of a winning record and winning program that someone could take it and run from there, you know, that's the kind of stuff that happens when you have people like little Wayne. So you know, I know Sam spent all day running around the Boulder campus trying to find Little Wayne. You know, what what were your thoughts as far as that kind of stuff? I think, frankly, we can look forward to a, a hell of a lot more visits from people like that. You know, not just Little Wayne, but you know, Peyton Manning has a connection with with Dion. You know, all these guys that are both local and not local. I mean, he's doing that at Jackson, so Prime was already doing that at Jackson. I mean, Prime is a celebrity. He is he is a magnetic celebrity. Everyone knows who he is. He's a Hall of Famer. He, he himself, I don't know if you guys have ever listened to any of his rap, but not all of it's that bad, right? I mean, his kids do it too. They're they're pretty good. Man, Shiloh, we could get into that, man. Shiloh, is a, he's a character himself. I could see Shiloh becoming famous on his own, even if he doesn't end up pursuing football. That guy is unbelievably talented musically, right? 
And I remember seeing an old clip from Dion's old reality show, which again, that was on Oprah's network. So look at how well connected he is there too. He had a, a reality show on Oprah's network. And there was an episode where there's a clip on YouTube of it, where Dion is recording Shiloh playing the piano, just like incredibly talented, almost, you know, you'd think of him as almost being like a child prodigy in how good he was and how natural he is playing the piano. And he made a comment when Shiloh was like, oh, I'm going to go be a producer, you know, right after high school. And he's like, oh, you think that you're just going to go get in the studio with Lil Wayne? And I was thinking to myself now, now that Lil Wayne was at CU and visiting CU, I was like, hmm, I bet Dion could have made that happen. <laughs> I bet he could have made it happen. Got his son in the studio, Lil Wayne. We got his so, other son with Tom Brady, right? That's what I mean. Yeah. He is a... Uh, he, he is a celebrity. It's it's awesome. And yeah, all the points about how long is it going to last? I'm not I'm not focused on that right now. I'm just enjoying this. It's it is amazing to be in this light and to have the CU brand put plastered in front of everyone even if people are getting sick of it. I see all the comments on Instagram or Twitter like, "Oh, don't you have anything better to talk about?" It's like, "Well, apparently not because this group is constantly putting out content." This content is going to last longer, possibly if Prime leaves in three years, the content from this, these three years is going to last forever. It is a huge, huge boost to the university long term. Like we will just like Jackson State. Jackson State is a name because of Prime. And now people will always associate like they'll remember Jackson State when they think of HBCUs. Seriously, I, I have no doubt. I know I know that that's the way it is for me. When I think of HBCUs, my mind doesn't immediately go to Alcorn State or where Steve McNair played. It doesn't go to Savannah State where Shannon Sharp played. It doesn't go to these other school, uh, uh, Mississippi Valley State where Jerry Rice played. It doesn't go to those anymore. It goes straight to Jackson State because of all of that attention he brought. CU being a Power 5 program and a Power 5 program that has one, which is, that's not common. Big programs like Wisconsin and Virginia Tech and 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 other and other schools of that nature they've never sniffed an ap national championship right cu has that and in not that far outside of her lifetimes it's a little bit closer to my lifetime <laughs> but you know not that far outside of any of her lifetimes and this is an opportunity for him to take that step and be a part of that bigger picture at a place where it has that has won before and frankly, it lost so much luster that he can insert himself and, and raise his brand while also elevating the, the school's brand. I have no problem with it. I'm not worried about it at all. It's and awesome. At the, at the same all the time, he's inspired the kids to start YouTube channels. Uh, the tight end, Sidore, started a YouTube channel. Uh, Jimmy Horn just started a YouTube channel. Shiloh has his own YouTube channel. So it's not just Dion at this point. It's the whole team recording their journey. Um, yeah, the content is endless. And quickly, I, I will just say, Sreyas, that I think Colorado is a good program if you're someone like Dion, where, you know, Colorado is in a position where we could just let Dion take the, the reins and completely run. And really, there's no rules, right? Like, he can kind of get away with whatever he wants right now. And I don't know, you know, if a big program or a bigger program down the road comes, you know, to your point, you can win a championship at Colorado. It's been proven by Bill McCartney, right? And so you have all the resources, you have the locker room, you have the conference affiliation. So you have everything there if you wanted to stay and, and make it his own. And I honestly think, you know, if you go to Auburn or you go to 
you know, Florida State, even something like that. I'm not sure that you would get the same amount of leeway that Rick George is able to give at Colorado. You know, there's an advantage to going to a program that was so beaten down that, you know, we can kind of take anything. So I, I think that's an advantage for, for keeping the job. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think there's some value behind that. Agreed. So I think with that, we'll go ahead and move on over to our draft. Um, frankly, I think there should be a recount. I was selected to draft last for the first time ever. I think I've been drafting either first or second every time, but we'll be going ahead and drafting the best bars in Boulder. We are allowing historical bars because there's just been simply a decline in bars lately in Boulder. Uh, it'll be three rounds and it'll go Sreyas, Sam, Jake, and then myself. So Sreyas, number one overall. I, you know, frankly, I think you'd be making a horrible decision if you don't draft the exact bar I'm thinking of right now, but the floor is yours. All right. Well, yeah, I would say that I've seen I've seen the massive decline of bars in my college experience or since my college experience to an even more severe level. It's been insane. Like really great bars like the catacombs are gone. Really great bars like, oh, we had fun at shooters back in the day. They used to have a mechanical bull. It's all gone now. So it is really hard. So I got a draft based on where I've had the greatest memories and the most association with good times. And so, frankly, I know I took them first overall for my restaurant, but I got to take half-fast subs because a lot of good times at half-fast subs, that was the first place I ever DJed in Boulder. That That's the move. It's super nostalgic. That You know, first time using CDJs back then. This was like 14 years ago or something, right? It was a blast. I love that place. I love, you know, hanging out at that place. There's not really that many places to dance anymore, so I got to throw that out, you know? So half-fast subs, man. I got I to gotta take it again. Sreyas, I think you could have had that. <laughs> I think you could have had that with the last overall pick. That, I'm I mean, sure. That's, that's atrocious. I'm sure. I'm sure, but hey, you know, you got to go with where you, you know, this is why this is why I auto-draft in fantasy football because I always, when I actually draft, I choose my heart and I end up taking like, all the C a, players, a mediocre quarterback first overall instead of taking an actual high PP, you know, a, a high running back for a, a PPR league. So, sorry, yes, I'm going to defend you. Half fast was on my board. Love their pitchers. We scouted them. We really like the talent. Late bloomer, but we really liked half fast. So I like. It was that a reach. Pick. It was a reach, but come on, you know, I gotta go. I gotta go with my heart. I'm gonna lose. Yeah, I'll lose the fantasy pick, you know, but whatever, man. I gotta go with my heart. All right, Sam. Well, the board is basically wide open for your first or your uh, second overall pick. So go ahead. I'm going to need some time to adjust my list after a sandwich shop was taken first in the bar draft. Um, Well, I'm going to go with a place very near and dear to my heart. Um, A place where, you know, when I go out, I don't want to dance. I want to have a drink and I want to watch people beat the crap out of each other playing pool. So I will be selecting the downer as my first pick in the bar draft. There's like a 50% chance if you go to the downer, you will see two people, probably both with extremely large beards, beat the absolute crap out of each other over a game of pool. And that's why I love it. Easiest place to get kicked out. Yeah. By far. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm curious. I know I've been kicked out of the downer. Um, I'd imagine everyone here has been kicked out of the downer except for Jake, um, <laughs> who has never done anything that would make it even a Girl Scout blush. So, um, other than get married to a Nebraska alumnus, so. 
Um, with that being said, Jake, I believe you are now on the clock. And because of that, Chase, I am taking your your uh, coveted draft pick here. And with the third overall pick, we're going out of our, our out of our scouting territory a little bit. We're not going on Pearl Street. We're not going on the hill. We are going with the Dark Horse. Mm. Great, great memories of the Dark good Horse. Good food. Good, good drinks. Great vibes. You know, trike night. That was always a blast. Um, the Dark Horse is going to be my pick. Yeah, that's a great pick. Um, you know, you, you made my decision easy here. Um, I was I was kind of stuck between these two. And so, you know, taking the Dark Horse is a great pick. Great food as well. I think people sleep on the food at the Dark Horse as well. So uh, I think it was $6 for a burger, beer, and, and fries or something like that for a while there. Um, so with that off the board, I'm going to go ahead and pick something that I think is going to win this draft for me with the older people who might be listening to the podcast. I was only able to go to this bar one time before it was closed down. Um, the day I turned 21 and I barely remember it, but I had a great time while I was there and the stories I've heard and not to mention my parents met at this bar. I'm going to oh, go ahead you can't and take, love at this bar. Can I'm going to go ahead and take the walrus with my oh. your, your parents oh. really in love with the walrus, huh? That's the you story. Can't. I thought you can't do that. I thought that was the rule. You can't find love at the <laughs> walrus. Get out of here. For what it's worth, uh, they then got divorced. So perhaps that's true, but I I do exist because of the walrus. (laughs) All right. That's, that's legit. So I, I gotta, I gotta stick with the theme of places I've DJed, man. Like that was, that was, so when I was an undergrad, I couldn't go to bars other than places I could DJ because I didn't turn 21 until after I graduated. So that's another big part of this, you know, ranking experience is what I remember from undergrad because I was never 21, you know, during my four years. So my favorite place to DJ, so the most nostalgic is half fast. Favorite place to DJ where I DJ the most often was Absinthe House. That place is gone now, as far as I know. I think they they turned into Boulder House for a while and then they disappeared. I heard it's like kind of like a food place now. There's a bunch of stuff there. I don't know what's there anymore, but so many good times, like bringing all my friends out, great crowd, got to play again. So common theme is the CDJs, bringing out the CDJs and bringing my memory sticks, playing some, playing some bangers, some house bangers and trance bangers. It was a blast. I love that place. So that's gotta be my pick. It's right. a good pick. All right, Sam. Yeah, that's a solid pick. It's a bar this time, which is good. You're on the right, <laughs> you're on the right track. Sirius. That could be our draft for next week. Places Sirius is DJed. It could be. <laughs> It'd be yeah. Might be tough for the rest of us to guess. <laughs> um, okay. So my second pick, um, I'm going to go with the attic. Such I a good think... pick, and I thought I was gonna be able to get that later, Sam. And fat Alberts. Mm. The fat the fat Alberts, extremely dangerous drink, very, very good. One time I went there, someone left fifty dollars in the big buck hunter game and just left. And so I just played it for like three hours, and people thought I was a psychopath. <laughs> Same thing, someone also left like $25 in the dart machine, so you know. There's there's always there's always people very generous people at the attic. It's a good place to go chill, hang out. Always good vibes at the attic. And if you have to wait in line, you're usually inside, so you're not freezing cold. That's a classic. Good pick. It's a good pick. Good pick there. With my next pick, the second round. Um, I think I think this could really be a, a blue chip, no pun intended, recruit. But I'm going to say a name of a drink, and I think you guys will all turn your heads. But it is called the Manberry. 
And with my pick, I'm going with the Rio. Great bar, great vibes, great drinks, great food. Going with the Rio. That's a good pick. I I still haven't gotten over the fact that uh, Sam stole the attic. I mean, I I I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, but for that reason, you know, I'm, I'm kind of surprised I'm able to get this one here um, this late, you know, in the draft, but. I think, you know, they're, they're classics for a reason. Um, and the bar definitely used to be better before lately when they started closing at 10, but go ahead and give me the sink. Um, definitely a place that you have to stop when you're um, doing your 21st birthday and, and starting the bar crawl. And um, I have to give them a shout out because uh, I believe on my 21st birthday, they gave me the bar mat shot, which was just everything in the mat. They just kind of poured into a shot glass and uh, I drank it and did not vomit on the bar. So I'm still allowed at the sink. Um, so, yeah, happy to get the sink at the end of the second round. Yeah. Well, I mean, that story was partially cool, partially disgusting, <laughs> but thanks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's the sink thing, right? Give you the, the kitchen sink and your birthday drink. Uh, that's uh, a good pick. Uh, yeah, it is a good pick, though, but uh. <laughs> cringe. God. Man, part of me really wants to take another venue that I DJed at, you know, but God, since no one else has taken it, I don't even know if there's that many dance bars left in Boulder. That was one of my favorite things to do. You know, hopefully, hopefully the primary brings some of the stuff back. I hope that Boulder gets that college town excitement back again and brings some of those, allow some of those businesses to come back, but I'll take press play. So as far as I knew, they still had, still had a dance floor. You could go ball out in some games, you know, play some Pac-Man. It was great. It was a great vibe. Uh, hopefully things are still going good over there, but you know, I'll take it. That's, that's like an actual bar. <laughs> is, is press play still open? Yeah, it I is. Hope so. yeah. Wow. It is. Right. I own the number one defense on the, uh, the NFL blitz game down there. Wow. Let's, let's suff- suffocate the CPU. Look at you. Yeah. Good job. So with my third pick, there's actually a surprising number of bars still, still available. Um, I'm going to go with a place everyone goes to on their 21st birthday. No, don't do this, Sam. Possibly some people's first kiss. Oh my I, God, don't do on. this to me, Sam. Please, I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick the pub. Oh. Where you're going to go big. give that buffalo a great big kiss. And they have the best chicken tenders. They have buffalo chicken tenders in the back that are super, super good. I get, I get them every time I go out. You know, kissing that buffalo is how COVID-19 started, right? <laughs> that was the original starting point. Right. Fun fact, I still had my 21 uh, birthday shot glass from the pub, and it broke a week ago. Brought it all the way with me to New York. So rip my, uh, my shot glass. <laughs> <laughs> with my next pick, man... Um, the pub was on my list. I was considering them with this pick. Good pick, Sam. But with my pick, I need to round out my team. You know, I got the got the dark horse. Um, I have the Rio. I think I think I need to round out my team a little bit more. And I'm gonna go with the Bohemian Beer Garden. Just go with some nice chill vibes. It's never a bad time. Again, good food there. So that's gonna be my third pick. Yeah, solid so- choice. I just remembered why I don't draft last and uh, just watching bar after bar that I was hoping to have on my board get taken away um, was heartbreaking, but you know, 
for those who have always believed in me and my drafting abilities, have no fear because I'm taking a steal here in a bar that Sam maybe has never actually heard of and will unfortunately never have the opportunity to go to. Um, it's a great bar with a phenomenal name because it has no name. Go ahead and give me the no name bar that used to sit right next to Cosmos. Um, absolutely phenomenal speakeasy. It was so small that it, I mean, you had to feel claustrophobic and it was a great spot to go if you were just doing the sink and then go to no name bar and then go to Cosmos and home. I think it's a classy joint. I think it rounds out my team really nicely um, and rest, rest in peace uh, to a phenomenal bar. So give me no name. I have been, I have been there. You fool. <laughs> and who's to say it's not still there in the construction site somewhere. That would be the Boyd. ultimate, the ultimate speakeasy. Yeah. God, rip to all the, between that. Yeah. Rip to all those yeah. bars, man. Rip yeah. to all of them. Gosh. I, I think we, we got to give out some some honorable mentions. I think Avanti needs to be mentioned. They have a really good happy hour. Um, so Spotted James, which is the bar where I believe the Walrus was, is now like one of the main bars. Um, where else? Tahona. Tahona was cool. Also, yeah, it's gone go. now, right? Yeah, it's gone. Man, there's no bars anymore. Old Chicago's gone. I mean, I know it's not a bar, but we went to all those <laughs> watch parties down there. Um, you, you know who I could be a, think could be a late bloomer recruit in this draft? It's uh, the connection. Great bar, great central location, bowling. It has everything you need. I, I did think about that one. That, that see, that's a that's definitely a wild card. It's not like I, yeah, I definitely went there to have a beer every now and again, bowl a little bit. So, I, I, yeah, that, that that's a top tier one. That's that's a sleeper for sure. Uh, the other one I was thinking about taking, but decided I was just too poor to go to when I was an undergrad. And this might be a bar I go to you know, when I come back to visit is uh, license number one was always like a really cool bar, but maybe a little bit on the pretentious end for Pearl street. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever been, but I think the average drink there is like 20 something dollars, but it's definitely a cool vibe. I went with no name instead because it's kind of the same sort of setup. Um, but definitely some cool bars still down there. Um, you know, if the downer ever closes, I think I'll just give up on Boulder completely, but. Um, I feel like, I feel like Boulder in general, as maybe the chamber of commerce is trying to do some stuff, but it definitely seems like they're headed more towards that pretentious vibe, which is really unfortunate because back in the good old days, there were a lot of fun college bars. So I hope, I hope this whole, this is a brand new era for CU and Boulder. And I hope that we bring ourselves back to where we used to be because it used to be a blast to go out to Pearl. My last question for you, Sam, because you're still boots on the ground before we move on. Uh, does the downer still do the $6 PBR pitchers or have they raised the price due to inflation? I think, I think they might be eight or seven. I don't think they're six. They could be six. I don't usually remember paying for them. <laughs> so that's the magic, right? <laughs> yeah, but it, it is very cheap. It is a lot of beer, a lot, a lot of beer for little money. But yeah, it's yeah. definitely, definitely still a place to go. So yeah, definitely let us know uh, who you think won the draft on Twitter. Um, you can go ahead and just mark it down as me. But uh, with that being said, we'll move on to talking about um, college hoops, both men's and women's. Frankly, um, I'd rather talk about women's because men's makes me want to vomit and uh, shred my degree. So I'll, I'll kind of start and give an, an overlay. Um, some big wins for the women's team, but kind of a you know a head scratching loss to USC. 
you know, you're, you're not going to win every game. This is a team that's definitely shown um, that Payne is moving the team in the right direction. I think we all had the opportunity, at least I watched the USC game, um, which was a huge letdown and, and the one that's really stuck in my mind. But what are your guys' thoughts? Um, pretty impressive squad that's going up there and uh, definitely one that de- deserves support. I love that UCLA game. I did. I didn't have the opportunity to watch the disappointing USC game, but I did watch the UCLA game. That was a that was super fun. It was just a it was back and forth, and it came down to the wire, right? So um, uh, I think, gosh, who was it? Was it Vonley who was at the free throw line with a few seconds left and had an opportunity to win? Made the first one, missed the second one, and then. Also, a big defensive play, uh, missed layup on the other end for UCLA to go to OT. Super exciting. You know, I, I love I love watching uh, close basketball games like that. And then an OT, Kenda Weta, bomb from three-point land where she hasn't been that, you know, that successful this year. I think she's in the 20%, you know, in the 20s percentage-wise from three-pointer, but absolutely drained that three as time expired in OT. That was awesome. That was super cool. I wish there were more people in the crowd, but I do expect that the the recent cold weather in Colorado has been a pretty big detriment to anyone traveling out, unless it's unless it's the Nuggets. I guess everyone's been going to Nuggets games because they've been so good. But, uh, man, I, I, hope, I hope that in these final homestands here, we get more fan support out and out in Boulder because that UCLA game was awesome. This is a really good team. This is a currently a tournament bound team for sure. They have a really good resume, a lot of big PAC 12 wins and not too many really bad losses. Maybe one suspect one against Texas tech early in the year, but that's still a power five team. So this looks good. You know, hopefully they can make a bit of a run and and get at least a sweet 16, do something the men's team hasn't done in many, many, many years. Yeah. I think they, I saw that they were projected to be a, a seventh, seventh seed going into the tournament. So it's really exciting to see, especially when football and basketball have been horrendous this year. Um, I was looking back at their historical record um, in conference, just because I remember, J.R. Payne having a rough start and just to confirm that so she was hired back in 2016 they went 5-13 and 13 in the conference next year in 2017 they again went 5-13 and 13, and then 2-16 and 16, and then 5-13 and 13 again and then last year they went 8-8 eight and eight, and then this year top 25 team so I mean it's really exciting and I'll definitely be tuning in um but yeah, it's it's great, great for the buffs. I hope I hope the fans can get out there to support them. Yeah, for perspective, the men's team hasn't made the Sweet 16 since 1969. My goodness, really? That was a yeah. But I thought yeah. Tad was the best. Yeah, well, that's so we can get to talking about that. Um, oh, but oh my goodness, that's uh, well. I mean, it shows you how historically bad the men's team has been. Right. So he was historically a football school consistently and Tad Boyle, despite his lack of getting to the sweet 16 is by far the best coach we've ever had, but there are some valid, there are some valid points to be made. And if we're ready to start going into that, we can, but you know, I'd rather, uh, you know, put a recap on uh, what we've seen from women's first, and then we can get into some big nasty concerns. Yeah. Just one last comment I'll make about uh, the women's team, you know, uh, really great opportunities to kind of shore up their resume as they get towards the end of their, their schedule. The one that really is, you know, out there for me is 
that home game against Stanford, I know Stanford is like just elite in women's hoops, um, but that's going to be in Boulder. Um, you know, that's going to be in Boulder. And I think that's a, I think that's a winnable game. I, you know, maybe, maybe not, but it's definitely a game where I really hope that fans will show up and, you know, watch them ball out. And, and frankly, you know, even if we can't win, it'd be nice to see some support for the team that's played really well before they head off to the tournament at Arizona schools, still remaining um, a home series against Washington. And then at Oregon, frankly, at Oregon home against Washington, if we can get three out of those four, um, pick up Arizona state. We'll probably, you know, Arizona at Arizona is going to be a tough game, but um, you know, Stanford and Cal at home to end it. We should be able to end with a happy note um, at home against California before we go to the tournament. But I really do hope fans show up and, and show out for that Stanford game on February 23rd um, at home in Boulder. So with that being said, we can go on to uh, Jake trashing on the men's basketball team um, or excuse me, not the basketball team, but Tad Boyle himself. Um, if frankly, you know, I, I remember in the last podcast, we talked about how there were some absolutely must win games coming up. And it seems like Colorado's found a way to, to lose all of them, except for that Washington state game, which wasn't particularly convincing um, at all. You know, we have the home game against Cal tomorrow, which is an absolute bona fide must win, or I might get behind Jake on the whole fire tad um, bandwagon. But besides that, you know, I, I don't even know. I don't think there's a silver lining to the season at all. I don't think there's going to be a postseason for this team. That's going to be, you know, even worth paying attention to it's, it's kind of a head scratcher because I know everyone's talking about how next year is going to be the year, but this team, you know, is not a bad team. This team could win some games and and has really underperformed. Yeah. Uh, before, before, I think we should save Jake for last year because I think he's going to have the most hot <laughs> takes, but uh, I, <laughs> I, I will come out and say this. Um, and I, I think we've t- chatted about this in our, you know, text group chat stuff, but when it, when it comes to men's basketball, this team is coming off of a top 15 recruiting class in 2021. This is that team like that we're seeing now with a year of experience under their belt. Lawson Lovering has improved a little bit, but he has not looked like a four-star recruit. Let's be honest, right? He's improved. He's definitely improved, but he's definitely not looks – he looks closer to a, a walk-on than he does to a four-star recruit in his second season. And we see – KJ Simpson sometimes show out and then sometimes not show up, right? In that Oregon State game, he was one of 12 from the field. All of the turnovers, my goodness, I can't even keep track of this. I feel like maybe we were even talking about the turnovers during the last podcast, but the turnovers are outrageous. This team looks completely lost on offense at times, and they look like they're getting worse, right? They look like they're getting worse as the season's gone on. It has been extremely extremely painful to watch especially knowing that this very same team beat tennessee in the state of tennessee they beat tennessee and uh, are you are you kidding me how do you go from beating tennessee to losing to cal and just looking hapless completely hapless on the road so so i'll i'll say it um tad is not going to get fired this offseason right if CU loses the rest of their games, he's still not going to get fired this offseason. There's just, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. He's going to get one more season. But I tell you what, if they do hypothetically lose the rest of their games, or even if they don't, and they come back next season and they look like this, you gotta, especially with Cody Williams coming in, the number eight overall recruit in the country. You gotta think, especially because of how much we're anticipating football is improving and how high the standards are gonna be from that for for excellence. 
when you look at Alabama, Alabama is not just a football school anymore. They have elite basketball team. They were ranked as high as number two recently before I think they lost to Oklahoma. And their women's basketball team is really good. I think their softball team is really good. I feel like they have a good gymnastics team. Once you have a bellwether program from football and the money starts rolling in, there's it, it, the attention gets focused on everything else. Why isn't basketball like this? Why isn't uh, why don't we have baseball? Right. That's a that's a question for the future. Right. We don't have money right now, but that's a that's a whole other question in the future. So when you look at that possible paradigm shift that's coming to the football team, if you come out next season and come out to the same start that we're having here, it's going to be a valid thought process. It t- should Tad Boyle be on the hot seat? Can CU do better? And the answer is we'll find out for sure. Right. I definitely have my concerns with how he's been developing the talent into being a consistently tournament level team. And my mind, I know we talked about this in the text group chat. My mind goes back to Lorenzo Romar. Lorenzo Romar was a Washington alum and he coached for probably 16 years or something at Washington. And he made, he made a few sweet 16s in all fairness. He did make a few sweet 16s, but during the early part of his tenure, they were, regularly contending for the conference championship and regularly getting into the NCAA tournament. And in that last six years, he pulled in some immense talent. They got Markel Fultz. They got Tony Roten. They got uh, 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 Mark, uh, Marquise Chris. They had Matisse MPJ. MPJ. They, had, MP, they had MPJ when signed. Romar got fired. Yeah, And then they released him and let him go play with his dad, I think, when his dad got hired as an assistant at Missouri. So that, and then uh, who else? Uh, DeJounte Murray. I mean, you're talking about legitimate, awesome NBA players, a stacked roster, you know, year after year. Uh, Nigel Williams Goss, who ended up being really good at Gonzaga when he transferred. That, so that shows you sometimes your ability to recruit that talent isn't enough. And he got canned and he got canned and he, he deserved to get canned. That season with Markel Fultz, they went nine and 22. That's ridiculous for having the number one overall pick on your team. They went nine and 22 that season. I really hope that doesn't happen here. Uh, And if it does, Tad should be on the hot seat. I hate to say it, but he really should. I think we got to have higher standards than that, but he's not going to get fired this season. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. It's just, it's mind boggling how bad they are sometimes with the amount of talent, you know, they have in the back of your mind. He's like, oh, well, they'll turn it on because you. We all remember watching the Tennessee game and how well they played, or even the Texas A and M game where they blew out Texas A and M by like twenty five points, and they just seemingly can't turn it on when they need it. And maybe that's coaching. Like I, I was always very, very pro Tad, but I'm, I am also kind of slipping towards that. Uh, maybe we need a new coach, especially with Dion. Like if if Coach Prime can elevate the football program and elevate you as a whole. Maybe suddenly it does become a destination job where you can get a Coach Prime-esque level coach for basketball as well. Maybe Coach Prime has a connection to a really good coach that's looking to get into the college game and is trying to change it, change CU for basketball as well. So I think that's an interesting aspect of Coach Prime that hasn't been looked upon that heavily is like his impact on the basketball program if it continues to trend the way it's trending. And the the they're going to have to make some major changes. But I agree. They, I don't think it'll happen in the offseason. I think he gets one more year. And before Jake uh, gives his 
manifesto. I think one statistic that I found really interesting was that there was a chart that had all the um, FPS basketball teams and it charted based off of how often they gave up runs and how often they went on runs. And Colorado was on the bottom left of the metric, which essentially meant that Colorado doesn't give up big runs, but they don't get on big runs either, which I think is interesting for a couple of reasons. One, it means that, and I think we've seen this happen in a lot of these games, right? Where if Colorado gets behind, especially if they get behind big at any point, they just essentially disappear um, in any game. Like it, they're just not a team that's built to come back. They, they don't seem to face adversity particularly well, um, at least not in the games that we've seen, particularly as of late. Um, I think that Tennessee win was a, a gutsy win, but otherwise, um, you know, if they if they get hot and they get ahead, they can generally maintain that. But, you know, they, they don't take the punches particularly well. And I do think in a lot of ways that might be coaching, right? And, and college basketball is historically a game of runs where you need to be able to take a punch and then go deliver a knockout punch as well. And that's just not how this team is built. And maybe it's, you know, they don't have the leader like Evan, you know, Evan Batty leaving definitely hurts, right? And so maybe that's a, a player leadership issue. That could be a coaching issue. You know, I, I'm I'm not completely sure where you come from. I will say to Sam's point, as far as like coach prime, just going to magically hire a coach for us. Um, I think, you know, we need to be careful about what kind of expectations we're setting on coach prime um, to save everything Colorado related. But I also think there's no chance that we're going to be firing um, Tad anytime soon, purely because we simply cannot afford another buyout, another contract uh, while we're still trying to move funds around to figure out how to pay for, for coach prime's contract and all of his assistant money and stuff like that. So um, while Jake is about to tell everyone why we deserve better, uh, I think we have to remember that the realistic um, fact is that Colorado has historically is horrible at basketball and uh, the prospects of Tad, you know, moving on from Tad are effectively zero. Um, let me start my manifesto here. Let me, uh, do you want, do you want, do you want, do you want, you want some intro music, w, like WWE style? Someone <laughs> play my theme music. <laughs> no, I don't have a big manifesto. I didn't do much research before this. but So I'm notoriously like the critical one of the group uh, when it comes to Tad Boyle and the CU men's basketball program. And again, I want to start this by saying there's nothing more that I, than I would want than for Tad Boyle to succeed. I want CU to go to a Final Four. I want CU to win it all. I am passionate and have my hot takes because I love the Buffs, and I think we could be a lot better. But, yeah, I mean, over the last few years, I've I've looked at what Tab Boyle's done recently, and I haven't been impressed. I will say, going back to when Tad was hired in 2010, the basketball program was crap, and I think he was the perfect hire at the time. I will also say he is arguably, and you know, I might agree with this actually, he's the best CU men's basketball coach ever. And here's the deal. He only has two NCAA tournament wins. Two. That shows you how bad CU has been at basketball. But he here's also the deal. You can't have a bad pizza, and if you pick up the best slice, it's still bad. Right. So I think CU could do a lot better than Tad Boyle. There's my thesis. There's my hot take. And I, I know a bunch of people disagree with me. And Soraya's to your point, I don't think he'll get fired at the end of this year. I don't even think he'll get fired at the end of next year. I think CU fans love him. Rick George loves him. 
And he's a very likable guy. I love his press conferences. I love how truthful he is and how honest and how, um, how sociable he is. Um, but ultimately, for me, it comes down to the postseason. And since being hired in 2010, he's made the tournament five times and only has two wins. Um, in the NIT, he had a good run back in 2011 where they made the semifinals, I believe. And then they also made it in 2017, 2019, and 2022. I think uh, my distaste for Tad Boyle started back in 2015 when the Buffs went to the CBI. They paid money to go to that tournament, and then they lost to – I have it up there. Seattle, right? To Seattle, yeah. Yeah. It's like, what are we doing? <laughs> and, you know, this isn't just the wins-losses in the postseason, too. I look, watch the games – and in the huddles, and when he's drawing up a play, or when he's supposed to be drawing up a play, he's not. All the plays coming out of timeouts aren't impressive. The clock management isn't great at times. Like, it's more than the postseason wins and losses. It's what I see when I'm watching games. Um, and then also, the icing on the cake this week, the thing that kills me, is Keyshawn Bartholomew went off against the Colorado Buffaloes. Uh, key place for Oregon. He transferred from CU, and I really, I really wanted them to keep him. But when he, he was left bad lot, last year, he wasn't bad. He was a key he contributor, was, and if uh, he was still on this team, yeah. he'd be starting. He'd be starting. Uh, no, no, he was. He was. He'd totally be starting. Not over KJ. Like, oh, no, he'd be starting. Key was a he, point guard, though. What are you talking about? He yeah, would. No, Nick Clifford. Well, you, you put him at the two. Yeah, no, he uh, killed them in games know. last year. Yeah, key key is not a great fit. See, that, to your point though, Jake, I don't know what kind of system we really have, right? I don't yeah. know what system or I don't. We not, offense just looks like they're running curl screens at the top, you know, uh, at the top of the key nonstop over and over again. You know, I, I honestly don't have any idea what kind of offense they're running, and that has been a problem for a really long time. Yeah. The 2014 team, that was our best shot to make a deep run. Spencer did to recap Spencer, Skia, Josh Scott, yep. um, Xavier Johnson, Xavier Johnson, who, George um, missing on that. What's um, up? Xavier, what? the power forward, um, I'm blanking his name. What? Oh, uh, Wesley I mean, Xavier Gordon. Johnson. Wesley oh, Wesley Gordon. Gordon. Yeah, yeah, Wesley Gordon was there. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, Xavier Talton. Those guys, they they were that that was a team that was built to go pretty far and they had some really good wins that year they beat Kansas right that was the season that they beat Kansas early in the season mm. um and then Spencer tore his ACL against Washington right that gosh i know they still made the tournament they would have been a top 5 seed probably maybe even higher than that that would have been one of the highest seeds CU yeah. had ever been i think they, they were, were top 15 that year and that was yeah i think they're 15th in the country when Spencer tore his ACL so here's what I was getting at, though. The reason why that team was so good was Spencer, right? Spencer ran that offense. He ran that offense in an amazing way. He was the glue that brought everything together. What made the teams good, you know, before the last two years was McKinley Wright, four-year point guard starter. He was the glue that brought everyone together. And it seems like if that's what you need to ensure that you're going to have successful seasons. And I honestly, I think that season where we lost to Oregon state in the PAC 12 championship and lost to Florida state. Yeah. They were overmatched against Florida state. Florida state is a lot of length and they struggled against that. 
and all the other Pac-12 teams did great in the tournament that year. So that was probably a bad draw, but they could have been pretty good, you know, that year too. Maybe just had a really bad matchup in the second round. But if you're counting on those types of point guards to to lead your team year in and year out, it seems like your offense offensive scheme might not be so good. And that yeah. is definitely a concern. I don't think that I don't think that we have that point guard. You know, KJ is a scoring point guard. He's not a facilitator like McKinley. And I know I know Spence could, was a scorer too, but Spencer is also a facilitator. He was that is yeah. truly a point guard, you know. That first Derek White. Derek White's another one. Derek White. So man, Derek White. If we had Derek like White and Josh King, maybe he he was more of a scorer, but yeah, he was King. more of a short guard. Yeah, he was more of a shooting guard. Um, but yeah, when you think back on the first Tad Boyle tournament team where they went on that amazing run in the Pac-12 tournament in that first year in the Pac-12, and they beat UNLV in the first round of the NCAA tournament, they had Nate Tomlinson, very, very underrated point guard. And he was also a very good assistant coach for CU for many years before moving on. I think he might have left for George Mason, if I recall correctly, right? So, the you know, even that team, they had a really good point guard, really underrated point guard. And I, I do wonder whether that that's what this team's missing right now. And maybe there's someone in the transfer portal they can get next year. I don't know. Like, but that doesn't seem like a very good offensive scheme. If you're relying on that good of a facilitator being there year in, year out. Yeah. And they brought in that guy over the summer. Uh, what was it? Mason Faulkner. Or they yeah, had a transfer the, come in and, and then he, he, they, he left like a couple weeks later. Oh, so maybe, oh right. Yeah. That maybe that was the floor general that Tad felt like he needed to bring in, and then something that doesn't work out, and then you're like, oh, well now we have the same people we had last year. Like in theory, Julian Hammond could fill that role someday. I, I really like, hope so. I, I like what I see from him every now and again, but he hasn't. Yeah, I, I honestly thought that he was going to be that guy, and he has shown that, but he has maybe consist- the potential, but the consistency. Yeah, Sirius, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's offense. Like, Tad teaches, preaches defense and rebounding. I think that's 100% it. Like, these teams historically cannot score, and they've had to rely on a scorer and or facilitator. Um, One person I'd really love to see, and people say he hasn't gotten playing time because of his defense, is Quincy Allen. How good is this kid? Like, we have no idea. And the Buffs have nothing to lose this year. Why don't you play him? He's going to transfer out now, and if he pairs it up at his next school, I would be ticked off because you had this four-star, 96 rating on 247, sitting on your bench all season when you barely made it to the CBI. If they're going to go to the CBI, I hope not. But when you don't make it to the NIT, I don't know. I think at times Tad can also be a little bit too stubborn. Um, But also, I think – there's been some times where I remember there was a game, I can't remember when it was, but he sat all the starters. Maybe he didn't do that just once. I think he might have done that a couple times. It was Tennessee. I think it was Tennessee. He sat all the starters at the start of the Tennessee game because they had just lost to Grambling, and oh, yeah. they responded. So he's yeah. done it more than once. He's definitely done it more than once. Uh-huh. But I like that in a head coach. Um, like It's very direct, and I think it's effective. But they're like Quincy Allen, I think he's being too stubborn with him. Like What has he got? Like. I don't know. I look at this class, the, um, the, the, 
the super impressive class of KJ Simpson, Quincy Allen, Lawson Lovering, you know, the list goes on. They were ranked 13th overall. And this is the result. It's just pathetic. It's, it's terrible. Lost for words. It, it's terrible. It's extremely, extremely disappointing. So I really hope there are there's some kind of changes made. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to be. And we're not going to see a new coach next year, but gosh, I, I don't think uh, I could be wrong, but I don't think Cody Williams is that facilitator that's going to score 34 and score 30 points a game and elevate us to being a tournament team alone. I think we need to see KJ have consistency and Julian Hammond be a facilitator and Tristan De Silva be consistent on both sides of the ball. And Nick Clifford, you know, not disappear for big chunks of games or even entire games sometimes. We've got to see all these guys step up and look more like what we would expect next year, junior level players who are highly touted recruits to look like. And if we don't, maybe we have Lorenzo Romar. And that's not, you know, if the expectations are what I think they will be for athletic department. That's not good. That's not a good thing. And I can't see it being, uh, I can't see it lasting forever. So we'll see. I'm not liking it right now. Yeah. I mean, this class isn't the only failed class in my mind. I think the Tyler Bay, McKinley Wright, Evan Batty class could have done a lot more too. Um, yeah, they, they would have made two tournaments. One got canceled because of COVID, but they were fading at the end of that season. They were going to make the tournament, but they were fading. They were falling apart. So they were going to make the tournament, though. And then the year after that, they just ran into Florida State in the day of a horrible tragedy in Boulder. So what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do about that? I, 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 could they have done better? Yeah, I'm sure. You know, there's there's no question that they could have done better. But um that, that wasn't so bad. This is worse. Whatever we see now is, is worse because th- these are this is a higher rated recruiting class and much, much worse results. So very concerned. And then one more comment. I kind of wish Tad did a better job retaining guys and not having them jump from the NBA early. I like looking back just off the top of my head, I think Spencer Dinwiddie was the only person that had a case to leave for the NBA early. Yeah, Andre Robertson got drafted in the first round. Okay, true. Okay. I, Derek I White got dra- well, Derek White was a fifth year senior, so that's different. Right. Um right. but I don't know about that. We haven't had that many early defections. Alec Burks was uh only two years and then he entered the NBA draft. He, he was a first rounder though. I'm he was first like rounder. in recent history. So like Tyler Bay, for example. Yeah, in mind. I, I, Tyler Bay. Tyler Bay, okay. Yeah, he hasn't done much in the NBA. That's a good point. But like if um, his dream is the NBA, it, that was the highest his draft stock was ever going to be. Yeah. And you don't want to – if he if that's what he wants to do, if he says, I want to play professional basketball, I don't want to take intro to underwater basket weaving at CU. I don't know. And he was a first-rounder. He raised your ceiling. Jabari Walker, too, is another guy that comes up that – He's actually Those guys are first rounders, though. Those are all first rounders. And he's doing good. He's Jabari's playing. Tyler Bay wasn't a first rounder. Jabari's putting up points. Tyler Bay definitely was. And I don't think Jabari was either. I think those guys were both. Jabari was second round. Yeah, you're right. Tyler Bay was also, he was an early second round. But But Jabari Walker's playing as a rookie. So he is now. Right. He, He is actually getting playing time. But I wish, 
I wish Tad did a little bit better job trying to retain people. Sean Swartz, another guy that left. I wish he stayed. Again, I don't know how much is in Tad's control, so I need to give him that benefit of the doubt, but just something I wish. Just yeah, I guess – uh, God, Treshawn Fletcher left for Toledo and ended up balling out. Um, Deshaun Schwartz left for George Mason, balled out in his extra year. Who was um, the who was the freshman who was in the McKinley Wright class um, who went back to Europe, like Lazar, um, uh, Nikolic or something? Yeah, yeah, Lazar Nikolic. He was solid as a freshman. I mean, it wasn't like Thomas like, Akiazili. Yeah, right. There's <laughs> <laughs> interesting interesting players over the years man it has it has been interesting it hasn't been like uh it hasn't been like the the teams that i remember with jeff bazdillick in the late ricardo Patton years you know there's been some there has been some fun the those those seasons in the late 2000s were just insanely bad my freshman year they went like seven and 20 million or something it was so bad i think they went winless in big 12 play that season. They didn't even win a single game in Big 12 play. They were, they were horrible. So, yeah, I guess standards need to be raised at some point, though. You can't just be settling for mediocrity like the Rockies with their owner coming out and saying, oh, we're, I think we could be 500. It's like, no. Well, first of all, no. <laughs> Second of all, come <laughs> on, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> Your expectations are still too high. <laughs> yeah. but that, being, that being said, I think next year, so, so pivotal. It you is. got Cody Williams, who's a one and done. And if they don't make anything out of it, their recruiting momentum is going to be gone. Yep. Next year is huge, 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 it's huge. So and it's uh, hoping that it's a successful, successful last year. season with USC and UCLA. Losing UCLA in basketball is a big deal. That's a that's an elite all time elite program, and they're headed to the Big Ten too, right? So that. Man, Pac-12 is already struggling as a conference for basketball to begin with. And now losing UCLA, oh my goodness. As, yeah, the future future is very scary for basketball. It, it, I, I know we went from talking about all the optimism with football to, to this, but we just got to keep it real, man. It's it's bleak. And I hope I hope something changes. And hopefully, maybe Cody Williams does come in and change everything. I, I don't know, but something's got to change. 